want to welcome you to another edition of A Kingdom Perspective. Uh, my name's Steve, and we're really uh, thankful and honored that you've joined us. And I'm Scott, and today we're going to be talking about leadership. Recently, uh, there's been some stories in the news about a pastor of a megachurch in South Carolina named Perry Noble, and this is a guy that, that both Steve and I have, have heard speak before, and just really charismatic leader. He's been a, leading a, a large, multi-site, growing, thriving church, really, for I think 16 years or so. And over the last year, he's been in the news because his church let him go, citing a character issue. In his case, it was an alcohol dependence, an alcohol addiction, which he admitted and and he went to rehab to deal with in the aftermath. And uh, just recently, the story has taken a turn where, you know, Perry Noble's been speaking, guest speaking at a number of other congregations, and question has come up as to why his church, New Spring Church in South Carolina, won't allow him to, to return and, and it, even to guest preach in, in their services. And, and so when they were asked about it, uh, one, one of the leaders that was, was speaking on their behalf, it was one of the pastors on their staff, said that, that for them, for, for their church, they believe that, that Perry Noble uh, currently does not meet the biblical qualifications for a pastor, teacher, and shepherd. And that, so that brings up, in my mind anyway, that brings up this idea of standards for leadership that what the world looks to, because in, in by all accounts, Perry Noble is a wild success as a leader. Uh, he's grown a church to huge levels. He has a large following. He uh, is a, a sought-after speaker all over the country that from, from a, a worldly perspective, he's been a very successful leader, and yet uh, his church let him go and, and won't even let him return to guest speak because from their perspective, whether it's true or not, in their perspective, he does not currently meet the biblical qualification for a leader. And so to me, that that indicates that there is a difference, there is a standard uh, for, for a biblical leader, for a Christian leader, that uh, is, is different from a standard for a leader that, that the world might hold. Yeah, I, th- I think this is a really important topic when you're thinking about the character and integrity of, of the leader, because I have uh, a couple core convictions when it comes to leadership. Uh, and so this becomes an all play for everyone in my mind. One of my convictions is that everyone is a leader. And so you may read the Perry Noble story or other stories about character and integrity in, in leadership and think that that doesn't apply to me because I don't see myself as a leader. Well, everyone is a leader. If you believe, as I do, that leadership is influence, Everybody has some measure of influence over somebody else. Everybody's leading somebody else. Uh, the parent uh, that, that's uh, raising their children, they're, they're leaders. And I think a lot of times when I'm preaching on leadership anyway, I can see people checking out that this isn't for me uh, because they maybe don't have the spiritual gift of leadership, which, which is a different thing, um, or they may not have a leadership position at their work, which is a different thing. But everybody is a leader. And I, th- I think some of that is when we talk about uh, the world's perspective on leadership, I think some of that has crept in to, to our thinking that we're not leaders, that the world says that leaders are this. And I'm like, well, that's not, that's not me. I'm not this uber charismatic, confident, um, you know, I don't hold a position. I don't have a huge group of people following me and hanging on my every word. So I'm not leading. I think leaders have perpetuated that, that we all like to think of ourselves as unique, gifted, and special. And so there is a, 
there is this side of leadership that would like to make it something more than it is so that we feel that way and that we're maybe better than others. And I don't, I don't think that's fair. I think leadership's a whole lot more simple than that. That if I, if I elevate myself, it will, it will gain me influence. It, it will gain me more power. Yeah, I mean, there are, there are probably few topics that have had more books written about it than leadership. True. I mean, it is a very, uh, very kind of sought after uh, topic in, in terms of writing. So I think everyone's a leader. Um, there, there's a spiritual gift of leadership. There, there's lots of different types of leadership, but everyone is a leader. Um, I also think leadership is best when it's relational, not positional. That you can play uh, at your office or even with your kids, you can play the I'm in charge card, um, you know, because the front of my door says I'm in charge and that, that whole thing. You can play that card and you can win. But if you really want influence, if you really want that kind of um, most special part of leadership where you're, you're leading by influence, that happens best in, in a relationship. Do you think there's a time to, to rely on positional leadership? I do. I, I do. I, I, think, I think there's a time to say to your kids, because I said so, and I'm in charge. Um, I, I think there's even sometimes a, a time where you have to do that in, in the workplace, but it's not, it's not best. Uh, it, it's not the most powerful form of leadership to me, but it can be effective. I mean, there's a reason people have positions. Correct. Um, you know, there's a reason for, for titles, but if you constantly rely on your title in order to exert your influence, then your influence tends to be weaker. I told, I told a story about someone I knew that, that was having marriage problems, and one of his solutions was to say to his wife, hey, I'm the head of the household, and I'm in charge. And it's like, dude, you've already lost. I would say, that, that might no. work once. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. If, if, yeah, if, if that. <laughs> and, you know, that, that you've already, by having to play that card, in some ways you've kind of lost something by playing that card. Um, if nothing else, then the ability to continue to do that. Because if, if you do that every time, people are going to, start to think poorly of you as a leader. Uh, I, I also believe that that you can't lead where you haven't been, and, and that should terrify every leader listening to this, <laughs> honestly, that that we need to be, uh, as leaders, uh, constantly striving to grow, become more mature, become more Christ-like, so that we can uh, lead um, the, the people that, that, that we're leading. We can lead them to a better place. I, I just experienced this with my son. It may... Um, surprise the people of my church, but I actually don't like praying out loud that much. That I, I find it awkward, and I, I do it because of my position. But prayer is like so personal to me that I prefer silent prayer. I, I always have. There, there's something about me that doesn't like to pray out loud. And we were talking, my son goes to a Christian school, and we were talking to his teacher about he, has, he is uncomfortable praying out loud. And I had, I had this immediate thought, it's like, man, you can't lead someone where you haven't been. It's like, it doesn't surprise me at all that he struggles with it because neither my wife nor I really like to pray out loud that much. And that's not to say that you shouldn't teach people things that you haven't mastered yet. I mean, you, you and I both in our positions find ourselves uh, up front teaching, uh, whether it's in, you know, in, in front of the whole church or, or in front of students in, in the youth ministry, uh, you know, I'll, I'll find myself up front teaching and, and, re, and, and feeling very hypocritical, realizing like I struggle with this myself. I don't feel like I have 
the, a lot of authority in this area, at least like personal authority, like I've conquered this, listen to me, do what I do. So I agree with you. You can't lead people where you haven't been yourself, but that doesn't mean that if you haven't perfected this area, then you're not qualified to, to teach on it at all. But you know what the, you know what I think the key is to that door? I, I think it's transparency. That, that if you're uh, transparent about your struggles and your weakness, I think that gives you additional authority in that area. You know, it's just a different type of leadership, I think, where if you've struggled, let's say, you know, um, you're a parent and you're, you're struggling with generosity, but you really want your kids to be generous. I think one of the most powerful things you can say is, you know, mommy and daddy have struggled in this area and we really don't want you to, you know, and, and that transparency gives you authority yeah. to address the issue. Well, because I want to be careful. I, I've had parents come to me and say, I can't, I can't insist that my child behave this way or do this because I didn't behave that way when I was a child. And that's just not true. You can insist. You know, right. It's not, your, your authority as a parent is not solely based on your past actions. Right. You're, Thank you're, God, yeah, right? Yeah. Right, I mean, I, <laughs> so there is, I, and, and so I guess it goes back to, there is, a, there is some positional authority there, that in a case like that, you're like, don't, don't do what I've done. You know, and I think in, that, in, in, in a lot of those cases as parents, you, like you say, learn from my mistakes. You don't have to make the same mistakes I made. And, and if I can be transparent enough, you know, I, I think that, that as a parent, full transparency is probably not always in our best interest. No, no, but, no, no. But if I can be transparent enough to let you see that that I struggled with this and, and these are some ways that God has brought me through to who I am today, I think that that can add to your leadership. Yeah, and just uh, the people that you're leading, um, seeing you strive towards something better, that, that even though you're not there yet, they see you going to marriage counseling. They see you getting help. They see you reading books. That's powerful. That you, you may not be there and you may not feel like you have the moral authority to teach that um, because you're not there yet. But just the people that you're leading, seeing you strive is, is a powerful thing in and of itself. So there's this story in, uh, in Scripture. It's in Matthew chapter 20. And I think it... it informs this conversation about leadership a lot. It has for me. Um, it's uh, two of Jesus' disciples, James and John. Their, their mother comes to talk to Jesus, which is hilarious to me, that their, their mom makes a demand of Jesus, that uh, Jesus grants that her sons be like his, his, his guys. You know, the one sits at his right hand and the other at his left hand, that they are like the next in line, they are, you know, Jesus is number two, and it's about leadership, it's about authority, it's about influence. Grant grant my kids these positions of power. You know, they've been following you, they deserve it, they, they've earned it, you know, by, based on the sacrifices that they're making, and Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking for, you don't know what that, that means. You think it means... You think it means privilege, and you think it means power, and you think it means authority, but sitting at Jesus' right and left means something very different than that. Leading with Jesus means something very different than that. And, uh, you know, in the end, Jesus makes, I think, a really powerful comment when he, he contrasts leadership styles, where he says uh, in verse 27, no, I'm sorry, verse 25, he says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, 
and their high officials exercise authority over them, but not so with you. Um, Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I think that that Jesus is laying out that, that there is a fundamental contrast between the way we lead in the kingdom of God and the way leadership is done in the world. That, that is a powerful story to me. I, I really like that story because the fact of the matter is, is if you have any sort of position at all, you can lord it over people and you can win a lot of battles and you can get a lot done, but you will not have influence. You, you won't because influence in the kingdom of God comes through being a servant. Yeah, you'll get things done. You know, if you're just trying to accomplish tasks, but but leading in the kingdom of God is it's so much more than accomplishing tasks. And and that's why I think that I think that one of something that's very important when it comes to leadership that this passage highlights is that in God's kingdom we're called to be servant leaders. That we are called to lead by serving others. I I read a, a comment uh earlier this week that uh, in the world, leadership is about gaining enough power so you don't have to serve people anymore. Gaining enough power so you don't, you no longer have to serve what other, do what other people want. You That's can, really interesting. You can now do what you want. Yeah, and, that somebody would have that as a stated goal. Right, is interesting. Yeah. Right, but it makes sense to me. I mean, you look at look at the climate around us. That people that rise to power ultimately the 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 benefit the 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 best part of being in power is you do what you want you don't have to bow to anyone else you don't have to serve anyone but but leadership in the kingdom is is the complete upside down opposite of that that leadership in the kingdom is 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 serving others that is the essence of what it means to lead we were talking uh to our our, our six-year-old our son the other day, and he was in some trouble, and he said, he said something to the effect of that statement you just read. He said, I can't wait till I'm old enough that I get to be in charge and I don't have to listen to anyone. It's like, that day's not coming. <laughs> right. Because, you know, especially as a Christian, that day does not come where you don't get to consider others anymore and you don't get to serve others anymore. That day never comes. Right. It's not the goal. That, that's not Correct. the goal of leadership in God's kingdom is to is to elevate yourself to such a position where other people no longer matter. So how how would you describe the kingdom perspective? The kingdom perspective cuz when when we talk about the kingdom we talk about a kingdom perspective we're talking about what is the thing that's that's non-negotiable in scripture. What is it that scripture has to say about this that everyone all Christians need to agree on? And when it comes to leadership uh, I see that the you know the kingdom perspective is that that Christians are called to lead differently than the world around us. That that you know what Jesus says here in in Matthew chapter twenty lays out that we are called to a different standard for leadership, and specifically we're called to to be relational. We're called to servant leadership, and and we're called to a leadership that flows from our character rather than our skills. Rather than, and it, not that it's un, unimportant to build skills. We should build our leadership skills. It, you know, going to conferences, reading books, those things are all great. But in God's kingdom, leadership flows from my character, from who I am, rather than what I've done. We were talking uh, before the podcast a little bit, and I made a statement about the character of the leader is the most important thing. Do you agree? I do agree. 
I, I think that the Bible is clear in its teaching on that issue. That that not that there are other th- that there are no other things that it's that it's only about character that that when someone is of high character we should just make them the leader but leaders must leaders in the kingdom of God must have a a high character as defined I think in the Bible that not not just some ambiguous you know high character based on what society thinks they should be but as defined in Scripture. Yeah, I mean, if you think about all of the core convictions we have about leadership, that everyone's a leader, leadership is relational, not positional, you can't lead where you haven't been, it's servant-oriented, all that stuff, then honestly, character is the trait that makes sure that we are leading people to the right place and to the right thing. That character is the the trait that uh, helps us to do that, um, godly character. Well, and you mentioned earlier that the, the whole idea of transparency and and I think that all speaks to character. That if if I you know I know you, I know the type of person you are. I've you know, and 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 again, it takes a relationship in order for me to to be able to know those things. To be able, for me to know your character, I have to be in relationship with you. But we have a relationship. I know your character. I I trust your heart. And so when you when you use your influence in, in in certain ways, even if I if I may disagree, even if I may think, well, I would I would have gone a different way with that, or I may I would have used my influence differently. I I can trust your character that uh, you know you're you're we're after the same thing, even though we we may have uh, gone after it with different methods. We our heart is for the same thing. I was thinking about your your leadership, and I mean, I can only think of a couple times in the eleven years that uh, we've worked together that I've really viewed that you've had to kind of drop your position, you know, with a family or in a situation or or, or whatever. Uh, you know, you maybe have to do it a little more than than I do uh, because of the role that you have working with students. Yeah. And I think sometimes with immaturity and things like that, you have to drop that positional leadership more. So I, you know, I've personally witnessed you do that a few times. I mean, w- would you say this true, the same is true for me that there's just been a few times that I've had to drop a positional leadership? I would. I mean, I, I would, it's incredibly rare from where I sit to, for, to, to hear a story where, you know, I'm the pastor, you're going to do that because I'm the pastor and you just don't lead that way. Um, and, and I think that's wise. You know, I know that I know that that for a while, and I think churches in general are moving away from this. But for a while, that CEO model of top-down leadership was popular in churches. Really bugs me. And it, right, I mean, it, it's co-opting worldly leadership ideas into the church. It's saying we need to make this person a, a, an elder because they're so good in business. That doesn't mean that they're a spiritual leader. Yeah, John Piper actually went after this. I don't agree with everything uh, John Piper writes or says, but he talked about you know some of these pastors that are earning there a half a million dollars traits, and some, they're some on a stage leadership with the traits, some character traits exactly that the Bible lays here? out specifically. That when you're looking for leaders, these are the things you should be looking for. And I think we make the mistake sometimes of looking for people who have been successful in their business or. Uh, successful in in ways that they've led out in the world um, and ignore sometimes what the Bible elevates uh, as as very important when it comes to leadership. So um, I want to spend a little bit of time looking at some of those things. They're, uh, I think, for the most part laid out in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1 uh, as Paul is laying out 
some qualifications for what it looks like to lead in God's kingdom. Um, and so I guess I just, I just want to walk through some of those things with you um, and, and, and talk about, you know, what, it, what exactly is Paul getting at here? Um, so uh, some of them are common to one another, but uh, Paul talks about that, that a leader should be above reproach. Um, in both places, uh, he mentions uh, marital faithfulness as, as very important. Um, and then he uses uh, terms like temperate and self-controlled and respectable. Um, he, he mentions not given to drunkenness that, that in, in both places as something very important. Um, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, like not someone who's seeking after a fight, uh, not a lover of money. Uh, which I think is an interesting one when it comes to sometimes we, we look for people who are really good at making money. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they love money, but, but sometimes we ignore that, that that actually could be detrimental to, to leading in God's kingdom. Yeah, in, in, a, in a church setting, that can be really difficult when a leader has that trait, when, when they love money. Yeah. You know, it, it can be a real roadblock. So I guess what's your perspective on these things? You know, when, when Paul talks about how important it is for a leader in God's kingdom to be blameless or... That word in particular, as as we uh, studied, we, we study texts like this on, on leadership every year at our, at our church, not because we want a better um, leadership core, although that's a net result. We just want better leaders in our church in general, better parents better businesses, better. And so we, we decided a while ago that we would preach on leadership every year. But that that word for blameless is really interesting to me because when you see that characteristic of a leader, you you think, well, that, that our English kind of understanding of that word is that I need to be perfect. But that's not really, the, the Greek doesn't really carry with it the idea of being perfect. It, it carries with it the idea of being unaccused and, and even more specifically than that, it's somebody who resolves their, their relational leadership issues. And so you might have a boss that maybe loses his temper one, one day, but he comes to you and he resolves that. He apologizes. He, in, in essence, seeks repentance. You might have a parent who one day kind of loses it with their kids they go to their kids and they apologize and they make it right. So it's not describing a perfect person. It's describing the person who the people in their life wouldn't accuse them because they're consistently and constantly resolving their mistakes. And, and that's a, an important quality in a leader. Well, and I think that's important to lay out, that, that we're not talking about perfect. We're talking about someone who does the right thing, someone who makes the right decision uh, in in in, the, in different circumstances, the decision that uh, that that you know, it's, where it's a it's a God informed decision because of what they know about Scripture, what they know about God's will, it, it's able to lead them to to make certain decisions um, and act certain ways. Yeah, I think churches should be talking about texts like these every year. Honestly, I, I mean, I, I I think it's good for people to hear that at the core of what it means to be a kingdom leader is your character. Your character is very important. Right. And, and it's not, you know, when you, you know, do an online search for, you know, the, the important leadership principles and there's no, there's no lack of material of, you know, that, that you have to develop your confidence and your ability to delegate and all these different leadership skills that have value, but they're not, they're not the most valuable skills that a leader can have. Um, the most valuable thing that a leader can have, according to scripture, the kingdom perspective is character 
a godly character, someone who is seeking after God's will in their life. Because ultimately, in the kingdom of God, leaders are leading people to Christ, not getting people to follow them. And so a godly character is something that points to someone that's not myself. Um, I, I don't want people to be me. I, that, that's not my goal as a leader in the kingdom of God. I want people to be more like Jesus, not more like me. Right. But in order for that to happen, I need I need to be more like Jesus. Yeah, that isn't the Apostle Paul the one that talked about that. Right. Follow me as I follow, as I follow Christ. Right. And that wasn't Paul being arrogant. That was Paul laying out this principle of leadership: is I am I am trying to have the right kind of character, the character that God has called me to have. And that is the thing, more than anything else, that qualifies me to lead because I have this kind of character, because I am focused on serving others rather than figuring out ways to get others to serve me. So what would you say to somebody? Because developing skill, we're kind of balancing this approach of that leadership uh, is more about character than it is about skill. And whatever industry that you work in, you can develop your skill. There's always going to be training. There's always going to be opportunity. What would you say to someone about developing character? Well, first I would say don't don't neglect those different opportunities to develop skills. You know, to because those those are valuable. Absolutely. Um, the, and and I think it's I think it's irresponsible for a person to just yeah I don't I'm good I don't I don't need to. We like going to conferences, right? I don't need, and yeah, learning. Yeah, right. I mean, so for someone to say I don't need to develop my skills, that's that's naive. You, you do, um, and so do I. But I would say that I would say that character development is more important in the long run in every area of your life. And so, how how does a person do that? Um, well, I think it's important to understand what areas of character we're talking about. And I think passages like the ones we're, we're looking at in in First uh, Timothy three and Titus one, things like that, uh, kind of lay out some areas that that can show you some problem spots for you. Say, well, oh, I I, I see this, and it talks about you know don't be quick tempered. Well, I know myself, and I know that you know this isn't just a, a random example. This is true of me that that this has been a lifelong battle for me to not be quick tempered. Um, but that's something that Paul lays out in the Bible as a qualification for leadership, that someone who is quick-tempered, that who is easily angered, is not the type of person you want leading in God's kingdom. Because, it, you know, it, he, also, he points out being self-controlled and, and these different areas. And so you can see problem spots in your character. Um, and you can, I think, first pray about them um, because ultimately, you know, self-help only goes so far. You know, I, I can I can only help myself so much. As a Christian, as Christians, we believe that ultimately self-help comes to an end and falls short of being able to to be the person that God's called me to be. That I I need Jesus to fill in to fill in the gaps in my character. I need the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and I, I really like what Paul says about this in both first and second Corinthians, where he talks about we contemplate the Lord's glory and he transforms us with ever increasing glory into his likeness. Right. And so there's this idea, I would even encourage people where you see gaps in your character to contemplate 
Jesus in that area. So if you struggle with patience, and Google's really great for this, you know, you can Google the patience of Jesus, and probably a dozen passages are going to come up that give you an opportunity to contemplate the patience of Jesus. And I believe the Holy Spirit works through that to transform us into his likeness. So I think you're exactly right. It's being self-aware about where my gaps are in my character. That, and I don't think we're very good about doing that, about thinking through where are the gaps? Where, where am I not uh, living out these passages? And then I would encourage as a next step to, to really focus on Christ in that area. Well, it's because it seems like all we ever do is is figure out where the gaps are in other people's character. <laughs> well, that's easy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's easy to see that. That, that yeah. social media just blows up with that. That you know, that, that that you know, this person did this and it was wrong, and this person acted this way, and it's easy to to focus on those gaps. But it's just just it's not useful. It, it's u- the only thing that's useful is for me to to actually take an examination of my own character and realize. I'm deficient in these areas. I'm falling short. I, I, I'm falling short of being the kind of person that God's calling me to be in order to lead in his kingdom. Do you think, and this may be out there, do you think if you developed a conference on the internal character of a leader, would you sell any tickets? <laughs> I think I think just by virtue of the fact that it's a conference, you could sell tickets because there's some people that are just conference junkies. <laughs> Depending on the speaker you had, I mean, I think there's some name recognition, but ultimately, I don't think that I don't think that topic necessarily rings people's bell. And I, a lot of it's because we just want a quick fix. We just want the next practical thing to you know, lead our church to the next level of, you know, getting more people or being on the cutting edge or, you know, being more relevant. And it, it's just an endless run on a hamster wheel when what we're called to do is to be the person that God has called me to be. Right. That's what I'm called to do as a leader. All I can do is to be the person God's called me to be. God brings the growth. God is responsible for the increase, not me. That's exactly right. So I, I want to, before we land, I want to touch on this idea. You mentioned it earlier that that one of your core views on leadership, one of your, your core convictions is that leadership be relational rather than positional. And um, I... I, I there, there's an interesting uh, there's an interesting study that was done a long time ago now um, by uh, by French and Raven, two social psychologists, and they identified the different bases what they what they see as the different bases of power, the different ways that a person can use influence, and I think it really speaks to what we're talking about, where they they talk about that a person could have legitimate power which is that positional authority that you're talking about, that I'm the boss, and so you're going to do this because I said so. Um, that people can also have reward power or coercive power, the two sides of that same coin, and those are both positional as well. Um, like A reward power is that you're going to do it because of what I can give you, because of what I have to offer. Uh, but the flip side of that coin is you're going to do this because of what I can take from you, that I'm in a position to take something of value that's yours, and so I'm going to make you do this. Um, and then I think I think the other two the other two power bases that they identify is really the target for Christian leaders for uh, for for kingdom leaders um, and, and those are expert power uh, that that you're that you're going to to do what I've asked because of what I know and how I teach 
And I think that can be positional as well, that like if I just rely on my credentials, that I have this degree and so you're gonna do this because I'm the expert. But it, it can also be relational if it's, you know, because I am, I'm a pastor, I've studied the scripture. If, if what I know is scripture, I've studied the Bible, I've studied God's word, and I'm going to, I'm going to lay out to you what God has said, I think that influence can be a kingdom, a kingdom style of leading. And then I think even more than that is what they call referent power, which is relational, and, and it's because of, because of who I am and what I do. Um, and, and that, I think, is really what we've been getting at. That's the definition of it, I think. That relying on these other types of influence because of my position or because of what I can, what I can give you or take from you, um, those are all ultimately weak forms of leadership in God's kingdom that fall short and not what we're called to do. Yeah, I was telling our people a couple weeks ago in one of the messages that there are lots of ways to get what you want. And, and these lay out some of those ways, coercion and all of that stuff, control. There's lots of ways to get what you want. Uh, there's only, uh, there's very few ways to to actually gain influence. Right. And relationship is really that way. And I think I think people need to understand that the thing you use in order to gain influence will affect the influence that you have. Correct. If you have to, if you have to be coercive, if you have to, if you have to, you know, threaten people in order to gain influence, that will affect how your influence, how far your influence goes. It will, it, it will affect how people feel about you in the long run. It'll affect whether you can have influence again in the future, or or whether your influence is just a one-time deal to get this one thing done, but they'll never listen to you again. You ruined your relationship. Yeah, it's that old illustration of dollars in your pocket that, you know, you, you only have a certain amount of leadership dollars. And, uh, man, when you use your leadership that way, you're paying out al- almost all the ones that you have. Right. And then when you have no dollars, you update your resume. Yeah, you can fight the battle. You can fight every battle, but but is it worth it? Um, and, and that's a question I think that we all need to ask a, as we lead. So, well, where, where, where do we land on this um, a, a, as a kingdom perspective? I think I would want to encourage people as we get ready to land to, to really kind of contemplate and think about their internal character. That we think, I, I think we spend a lot of time on skill. We don't spend as much time as character. So that's where I would want to land, I think. is just that, That's what I'm thinking about right now is as I read First uh, Timothy 3 and Titus 1, just kind of thinking through my internal character and am I the leader God wants me to be? Yeah, and I would add to that a priority on serving others rather than making others serve me. Um, that, that my character in, you know, who I am in Christ and the way that I view service. Do I, do I go out to, with the intention of serving other people, um, or do I go out with the intention of making other people serve my needs? I think that's a great place to wrap it up. And we want to thank you for joining us for a kingdom perspective, and we'll see you next time. <music>